This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus. Hope Lives Friday side notes. Uh, On Fridays, we're going to uh, delve into some side notes. And what are side notes? They may be historical issues that I want to deal with that give you a biblical perspective. It might be something economic, might be something from the Bible, might be some symbolism from the Bible, or it might even just be some ideas, philosophical, maybe even scientific that interest me and that I think the Bible either speaks to or they shed light on scripture and allow you to understand and see scripture in uh, maybe a new, a different, a more in-depth way than you saw it before. So uh, Friday Side Notes is a dealer's choice type situation for me in in that I am going to just give you information that is important. Welcome on this Friday Side Note. Today, we are going to be dealing with one of my favorite topics in scripture as far as symbolism is concerned. And we're going to uh, be talking about something that I am very familiar with as far as uh, living and uh, breathing. For many of you who don't know, I have lived most of my adult life in a household full of women. My wife, obviously, and then I have only two daughters. And when I say only two daughters, I mean that I don't have a son. And both of those young women are now adults. One of them will be graduating college very soon. And the other one is about to have her first child. And I I have been uh, living with those two young females. And of course, I've been living with Disney and Gigi. And Disney and Gigi are both chihuahuas and they're both females. And so the truth is, for a large portion of my adult life, I have been living in a household with five females. And I have watched them. I've been around them. I've grown to love being in a household with uh, women. And women in the Bible play a significant role. And oftentimes uh, you'll hear out in culture that the Bible's racist. You'll hear that the Bible is uh, sexist. You'll see, you'll hear all kinds of uh, accusations made against scripture. But the truth is Bible uh, in the Bible, women play a highly important role, both as actual individual women and symbolically. And uh, in fact, as far as symbolism is concerned, women play a role in scripture in one regard where they, they're not the same. They transition. They're not exactly what they seem at the start. And we'll get into that in just a few minutes. But I want you to see the uh, important role that women play in scripture because Jesus himself added women to the group of people that were following him. And uh, they regularly sat at his feet when he taught. And you go, how is that important? Because in that culture, women generally were not allowed to be in the presence of a rabbi when he was teaching. They had to be separated. They could listen, but they could not be in his presence. And Jesus regularly is seen with women all around and with women learning, growing, and becoming uh, powerful, spirit-filled, and uh, faith-filled 
believers under Jesus's teaching. In fact, uh, one of the great stories of the New Testament is the story of Mary and Martha and Jesus telling Martha that he was not going to uh, keep Mary from uh, sitting and listening to his teaching because she had picked the better part. And so it is obvious that Jesus saw women as an important aspect of not only his plan for the world, but for his ministry himself. Women in the Bible symbolically generally fall into what I would say is four categories with one of those categories having a subcategory, which I think is, I think it's unique as far as symbolism in scripture goes. The easy ones are, are, are fairly uh, easy to identify when you're studying scripture and when you're looking, when a female comes on the scene. The first one is an older woman. Generally, she's a mother and generally she's virtuous. And in that, when a woman comes on the scene that is older, that is maybe a mother or a grandmother, and she's virtuous, almost always she's symbolic of the Old Testament or uh, the Jewish people. They are seen as, they're seen as uh, complete, full, mature women, and that, that they play a role in, just like the scripture says, the Old Testament is a schoolmaster. It's, it teaches us, it gives us understanding of New Testament ideas by looking at those stories and looking at uh, the fullness of scripture in the Old Testament and being able to see how those stories in the Old Testament reveal to us New Testament principles and New Testament ideas. As we know, when we're dealing with our own mothers and when we're dealing with our own grandmothers, they're full of stories. They're full of understanding. They're full of having watched and, and perceived the world in, in the unique ways women can do. And, and I say that I say that as a pastor, I find that women and their insights into especially relationships and especially the dynamics of church life can be so much more deep and so much more uh, rich than men. I remember the first church I pastored, I came, I was a young, really, as far as making that decision, probably wasn't the wisest decision to go and pastor that church as a 20. When they called me, I was 26. And when I preached my first sermon, I was uh, a week away from being 27 years old. And, um, the church I went to, the former pastor who was an older gentleman, had he'd run off with his wife's best friend. I say that regularly, and but they didn't run far. They just ran to a house about two miles down the road and shacked up together. And uh, I say that because it really caused a lot of issues in that church. And then you have this really tall, big ex-football player, uh, really kind of a bull in a china shop coming in to be pastor. And those women looked at me sideways with the stink eye for about the first year. And I noticed that they watched intently and they weren't necessarily watching because they thought I was a bad person, but they're, they're as we would say in the South, their hackles were up. They were, their antenna was high and they were making sure that nothing similar to uh, the last experience they had in a church was going to happen again. And I realized that women have a uh, keen understanding. They see things relationally far better than men do. And that makes them important, important for a pastor, especially in a leadership position, because the women see things and you can tell they do if you'll watch. And when they see things that are not good, they will let you know with their facial features, and you won't even have to ask a question. They see things in ways that we cannot perceive. And so uh, 
older the older a woman is, the more likely she is to uh, see those things because she's had that experience and she's had the difference between men and women. She's had that womanly instinct, which is uh, born of the well-the way, generally speaking, a female mind operates. And that is, and, and a lot of times people get all upset when you deal with that, but the female and the male mind, you can find a male who thinks very much as a female does, and you can find females who think very much as the male mind does. This is a spectrum. It's not uh, two categories that have no uh, relation to each other. But generally speaking, the way a female mind operates allows them to have insights into things, especially when you're dealing with relationship, especially when you're dealing with language, especially when you're dealing with seeing the world and perceiving what is going on in the world around them. They oftentimes are far more perceptive than men and they teach us things and if and we're wise we will allow the women of our lives to teach us things uh, about the world around us that we may not ever be able to perceive on our own and so is also the women of the old testament the older women in scripture they are a picture of the old testament or they're a picture of the jewish nation and god's plan and purpose for them in scripture Likewise, young virtuous woman, almost al always a virgin, is a picture of the church. The older woman is a picture of, of the Old Testament. The new, the young woman who is virtuous is a picture of the New Testament. And uh, the older woman is a picture of the Jews. The younger woman is a picture of the bride of Christ, uh, the church. And she is very important in scripture. And you're going to run across many women who fall into that category. And whenever you run across one of them, you're going to see that you're going to see that they are important pictures of God's work in his people. And in all actuality, that's what women represent in the two broad categories of scripture. They represent God's people and how they relate to God. And so obviously you can see how that would be very important to me when I'm studying scripture. If a female comes on the scene, uh, I always use that symbolically to, to give me that roadmap. And that's what symbolism is in the Bible. Oft, oftentimes we want to attribute mysticism to symbolism, and that's not what's going on. What's going on is symbolism in scripture always gives me a roadmap to orient my mind in thinking toward whatever passage of scripture I'm dealing with, thinking about it in a way that is coherent and in a way that is connected with the rest of scripture. And so if I understand symbolism, I can begin to tie parts of scripture together in my mind because that symbolism runs throughout the word of God. And as I'm studying and I'm thinking about it and I run across an older woman who's virtuous, I always think, uh, I always think the Jewish people. When I run across a young woman who is virtuous, I always think of the bride of Christ and the New Testament. Then we run into the Gentiles and the Gentile, a Gentile woman, generally speaking, when you run across a Gentile woman, whether she's Old Testament or New Testament, she always seems to be, if she's virtuous, she always seems to be the church. And just like the New Testament uh, uh, woman, the uh, young woman, the, the bride, she, uh, Gentile women, generally speaking in scripture, are going, they're either in the process of becoming a part of the church or they are the church. And I always uh, draw back in the Old Testament to Ruth. She was a woman who had been married and her husband had died. She was Gentile. She was not uh, a part of the children of Israel. And, uh, but she had married, her husband had been a Jew 
And uh, if that's not symbolic of Jesus and the bride of Christ, there, there's just there, there's probably not a better picture in the Old Testament of that relationship and that coming relationship than Ruth is in the book of Ruth, Boaz being the type of Christ and playing the role of Jesus and Ruth playing the role of the church. That the, Those women in the Old Testament and in the New Testament are, generally speaking, when you run across a Gentile woman, she is going to be, in some ways, a picture of the church. And you need to always, when you run across a woman that's not Jewish, and by the way, the Bible was written exclusively, other than Job, was written exclusively by Jewish people. And so when they mention a Gentile woman, you need to have your ears perk up and see that roadmap that's telling you, hey, I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about God's plan for the world. Because remember, the Jews are a light to the world. Then we move into the fourth category, and I think it is the most fabulous of categories. And that is the unvirtuous woman, or the, uh, as scripture would call her, the harlot in the, in the Old Testament. And you go, why is that the most important one? Because in her present state, she is always a picture of false religion. And so when you run across, um, when you run across a woman who is uh, not Jewish, or even if she is Jewish, she is a, she's a prostitute or a harlot, generally speaking, she is not generally, almost always speaking, she is a picture of false religion or chasing after foreign gods. And when God, that his people are playing the harlot, what he's saying is they're chasing after far, foreign gods. They're chasing after created things rather than the creator. They're chasing after angels and spirits and, and idols made of human hands, and they're not chasing after the one true God. Now, you go, what makes that category so important and so dynamic? Well, it's so important and so dynamic to me because that the symbolism of the woman who is unvirtuous or the harlot is oftentimes the dynamic woman in the Bible because she many times in scripture becomes a believer. She goes from chasing after other gods to a, a abiding, powerful faith in Jesus Christ. Ruth being the first one I'd mentioned to you, go back to her. She is a, she's a Gentile woman and uh, she stays with her mother-in-law, who is a picture of the Old Testament or the Jewish people, and her mother-in-law is Jewish, and she stays by her side, and she goes back to Israel, and she finds a kinsman redeemer, who is Boaz being a picture of the church, and what happens? Uh, Boaz chooses her to be his bride, and she is she's changed. Interestingly speaking, if you go into Matthew uh, chapter 1, where the, you have the genealogy of Jesus Christ, you're going to have two women who they are either they either played a prostitute or they actually were a prostitute in scripture. The first one being Tamar. And if you'll remember the story of Tamar, Judah wouldn't give her one of his, her, her, the third son of Judah. He wouldn't give it to her because two of his sons had died. And she, he said, I'm not letting her have another one of my sons. And she was going to be cut off and separated. And she went out to the roadside when she knew Judah was going to be coming and she dressed as a prostitute, and she had relations with Judah, and she bore a son, and that son, Perez, he was in the line of Jesus Christ. He's part of the genealogies. In fact, you find it, you find that story in verse of the New Testament, and you have 
a woman who is not necessarily unvirtuous, but a woman who played the role of the harlot or played the role of the prostitute being in the line of Christ. And then you have the obviously the most famous woman in the Old Testament as far as a prostitute who is changed and becomes a part of Israel. And then you find her also in the line of Jesus Christ. She's in the genealogy of Jesus. And that's Rahab, who was the prostitute in Jericho. And she uh, took the two spies in. She gave uh, she uh, gave them information about the city. She protected them. She lowered them from their from her window. And uh, she finds herself after the city is destroyed, after the walls are destroyed, the part of the wall that her house was connected to didn't fall. She was not killed, and she became uh, a part of the Jewish people. She married into the Jewish people. She's one of the great grandmothers of Jesus Christ. You have two pictures in the Old Testament, and, and there's more, but two primary pictures in the Old Testament of a woman who was maybe a woman of ill repute or a woman who uh, had less than uh, virtuous morality as far as her lifestyle. And all of a sudden she meets God. She comes in contact with God's people. She trusts in, uh, trust in God and she has changed, and and not only changed, she's elevated to a high place, finding herself in the line of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In the New Testament, it's not even hard to figure it out. You can just look, and everybody knows the story of Mary Magdalene. Obviously, she was a prostitute. Obviously, she was an unvirtuous woman. She uh, happens upon Jesus' teaching, and uh, well, the Holy Spirit changes her life. And she becomes one of the uh, primary women that are followers of Jesus. She anoints Jesus' body for a burial in the presence of the church elites, in the presence of the uh, Jewish leadership, the uh, rabbis and the priests. And uh, finally, we see her both at the crucifixion, standing next to Jesus's mother. And then finally, we see her running, her, her going to the empty tomb and Jesus speaking with her even there. And so she's a picture of a woman who started her life living according to the world standards and ends her life a woman of powerful faith and an important picture of God's work, his redemptive work in his people. And she is, she's one of those women that when we do studies of women in the Bible, she is always a part of that study. And that is because she is the perfect picture of God's redemptive work in humanity. And ultimately speaking, that's why women in the Bible are important because they are one of the clearest pictures of God's redemptive work toward humanity in his word. And so when you're studying the Bible, I want you to always see the symbolic roadmaps that God gives us so that he gives us an understanding. He opens our eyes and he allows us to see the things that he is doing in scripture and how he's tying other parts of scripture together so that it becomes not just a verse or a passage, it becomes a great mosaic of God's truth, his, his revelation to us of who he is and how he works throughout time, throughout space, and throughout our lives. And women play an irreplaceable role in that, in our study of God's word. I pray that you'll use that those roadmaps to learn, to grow, and to become more. And let me tell you something. I believe that that's going to happen for you. I believe that you're going to uh, see God in deeper and more powerful ways, that you're going to glorify him more each day, that you're going to walk in faith, 
in a way that that you've never walked before and that God is going to use you. And I pray in the name of Jesus, that would be the case for you each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Amen. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus name.